ओम नमो भगवते वसुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वसुदेवाय ओम माय बाउ टू द लॉर्ड वसुदेवा जॉय टू यू फ्रेंड्स वर कमिंग टूअर्ड द एंड ऑफ द सेकंड चैप्टर of the Bhagavad Gita. This is stanza 71. That person knows peace who, relinquishing all energy-draining desires and fully satisfied with his state of desirelessness, no longer sees himself as a separate individual ego. Now this statement to the worldly person seems impossible. I'm me, you're you. When I hurt you, I don't hurt myself. When I get revenge on uh, for my, some hurt you've given me, when I revenge myself on you, I come out better. I've put you down. The man of wisdom understands that you're hurting yourself when you hurt others. You're blessing yourself when you bless others. You're, get, you're finding more happiness for yourself when you give happiness to others. You're understanding more when you can understand through other people's points of view, when you can realize that everything that you see is a remembrance. This is the interesting thing that Patanjali gave as his definition of enlightenment. He said, smriti, memory. You remember what you were. You remember that you're a child of God. You don't have to, as when you go to school and somebody's teaching all about, let us say, geometry and you write notes and... You don't have to do that. In fact, as I've said earlier, the process of true education is unlearning, not learning. When you unlearn or get rid of this self-definition that you're a man or a woman, that you're old or, or young, that you're rich or poor, that you're a Frenchman or an Indian or an Italian or an American, when you get rid of every self-definition, then you begin to understand who you really are. That that one self, it's like a burner on a stove, a gas burner. All the little gas jets that come up, each little flame is a separate ego. But all those egos are actually projections of the one, let us call it a field of gas underneath. And so we are our little self-definition that makes us think, I'm different from you. This is a delusion. We are all one in Him. And when you get down under all the misconceptions of who you really are, you begin to see that when other people suffer, you feel their pain. When they, when they, when they rejoice, you feel their rejoicing. But even in your ability to feel their pain, you feel more joy because you've gotten away from your ego and you're feeling it from a higher level. When someone is drowning, you don't jump in the water and drown with him to show your compassion. So when people are suffering, you don't have to suffer with them in the sense that they're suffering, but you feel for them. But while you're, you stand on the shore and you throw them a line if you can, a life belt if you can, reach out to them in some way to pull them onto shore. But there's no point in going into the water and drowning with them unless you yourself are a strong swimmer. So it is that when other people suffer, you don't weep with them in that sense of, of taking on their pain, and that would be merely a, 
expansion of pain, but it's not that. You're feeling the bliss with that bliss. When Jesus wept for people, he was weeping because he knew joy, but he wasn't weeping because he took on their suffering. He was weeping in a kindred sense that he too suffered in them, but at the same time what he tried to give them and did give them was joy. This is what you must do when, as, uh, when you're walking down the street, let us say, when you see people, smile at them from your soul. Don't smile like the con man who wants something from them. Smile because they're your brothers, your sisters. I have found that many times people will come to me who are complete strangers and sort of like to be around me because they feel better. There was one time in Rome, it was very strange because uh, I was, first of all, I had, it was in, in Paris, I'm sorry. And first of all, I had uh, um, gone to a concert and it was a very blissful concert, but I was sitting up behind the altar. It was in a church, so I saw about 700 people in front of me, and it was very blissful music. And later I was on the metro, the under, underground in France, in Paris, going to my hotel, and an old woman, woman came up to me and she said, do you remember me? And I, I uh, said, I, no, not really, I don't. I was in the crowd there in the audience of this concert. And somehow she had felt a personal contact with me just because I was so in much enjoying the music that it must have shown on my face. But that was all the contact we had. And yet she sat down and wanted to tell me what trouble she was having with her daughter and hoping I could help her to overcome that trouble and uh, resolve it in some way. You will find that you can help so many people if you look at them with God's joy. And in this case, I wasn't looking at her at all, but she felt that contact. When you live in the self, other people will feel that you are in the self, and they will feel that that is their self too. And so whatever they need in themselves, they will feel that you can answer them. You'll be able to help people much more than you will by being like a psychiatrist with somebody lying on his couch and spilling off all his wrong memories and so on. I have yet to meet a saint from psychiatry. They don't produce saints. They produce people usually who are too self-involved. But the path of sainthood, the path of seeking God and seeking solution in his bliss, this leads to sainthood. It leads to removal of all subconscious and conscious complexes and releases your own consciousness into that sense of oneness where you know that not only people, but animals and things, everything is a part of your own self. And when you can feel that, you feel bliss everywhere because everything really, even though at the moment it's suffering, everything is a manifestation of cosmic bliss. So seek that. It's the best weapon you can use to destroy delusion. When you have that bliss, nothing will be able to hurt you because you'll say, no, that's not what I want. I want bliss. Get that sense of, exp uh, of comparison. When you have something better to compare with the things of this world, then you can say that nobody can take it away from me. Yogananda once was approached by two, three hold-up men in New York, I think it was, may have been Philadelphia, and they asked him to give them what he had. 
He said, gladly I give it to you, but I have something in me that you can't take away from me. And they looked at each other and said, what's this guy, is he crazy? And he looked at them with bliss. And they began to tremble all over. They dropped their, the money he had given them. They said, we can't go back to that way of life anymore. And they ran away. But you can touch the lives of so many people when you live in him. His bliss will be the cure for every human ill. Joy to you.